Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ramu, Hare Ramu, Ramu Ramu, Hare Hare. Jaya Prabhupada Jaya Prabhupada Prabhupada Jaya Prabhupada Jaya Vishnupad Paramahansa Parvajaka Acharya his Divine Grace A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai Anantakuti Vaishnava Rinda Ki Jai Namacharya Srila Haridat Thakur Ki Jai All glories to the assembled devotees All glories to the assembled devotees All glories to the assembled devotees And all glories to Sri Sri Guru and Godanga Tonight's class will be based upon the Bhagavad Gita as it always is on this Sunday. The number of the verse is 62 and the chapter of the verse is 18. So that's 1862 for those of you who have a book or who are following. I will read the Sanskrit verse. If any of us here would like to uh, express it or sing it after I finish it, Please, please do. You can raise your hand and I'll call upon you. Tameva Sharanam Gacha Sarvabhavena Bharatam Tatprasadat Param Shantim Stanam Prapasi Shashvatam Tameva Sharanam Kacham Sarvabhavena Bharatam Tatprasadat Param Santim Stanam Prapsyasi Shashvatam Tameva Sharanam Gacham Sarvabhavena Bharatam Taprasadat Param Shantim Stanam Prapsasi Shashvatam Would anyone like to chant that verse? Tameva Sharanam Gacha Sarvabhavena Bharata Tatprasadat Param Shantim Sanam Prapsyasi Shashvatam Tameva Sharanam Gacha Sarvabhavena Bharata Tatprasadat Param Shantim 
Stanam prapsyasi shashvatam Tameva sharanam gacha Sarvabhavena bharata Tatprasadat param shantim Stanam prapsyasi shashvatam Tameva sharanam prasha Sarvabhavena bharata Tatprasadat param shantim Stanam prapsyasi shashvatam Any mother? Any others? No? Okay, translation. O scion of Bharat, for those of you who don't know what that means, scion means a descendant. Of Bharat was a great king. So we have here Krishna speaking to his cousin, half-brother, and... Hello? Thank you. Krishna is speaking to his friend, his disciple, his half-brother. And uh, so he's referring to Arjun as a scion, meaning a descendant. And he's saying, this is the 18th chapter, near the wind-up of this entire discourse. He says, surrender unto him utterly. And he's referring to him as himself. Generally, Krishna refers to himself as me or I or mine. In all activities, just surrender unto me. Different verses, he uses different means. So in this case, he's referring to himself uh, as a him. O scion of Bharat, surrender unto him utterly. And I'll describe or explain a little more in detail what this word surrender actually means in this particular context. By his grace, by God's grace, you will attain transcendental peace and the supreme and eternal abode. Why don't we all repeat that? O scion of Bharat, surrender unto him utterly. By his grace, you will attain transcendental peace and the supreme and eternal abode. Purport, commentary. A living entity, meaning a soul. We're all living entities. So we are being referred to in this purport as living entities, meaning an individual part and parcel of the Supreme God, Lord. A living entity should therefore surrender unto the Supreme Personality of Godhead, who is situated in everyone's heart. And that will relieve him from all kinds of miseries of this material existence. Which is implying that if we don't surrender, that our miseries will continue and even increase. And I will be getting into this a little bit more as the talk proceeds. By such surrender, that means giving up body, giving up the mind, giving up your intelligence to the Lord. Actually, he owns them already, but he's allowing us to use them as we wish to. But if we yield them to him, and we ask for guidance through this surrender, we will get a kind of knowledge, we'll get a kind of direction that we normally would not get because it's coming from a higher transcendental source. By such surrender, not only will one be released from all miseries in this life, 
And by miseries, we mean the anxieties, the uncertainties, the confusions, the puzzlements, <clears throat> disorders, diseases, and the like. But at the end, I'll start that sentence again, by such surrender, not only would one be released from all miseries in this life, but at the end, he will reach the Supreme God. The transcendental world is described in the Vedic literature, the Rig Veda 122.20, as Tad Vishnu Paramam Padam. Since all of creation is the kingdom of God, everything material is actually spiritual because it's all owned by God, it's manifested by God. But Paramam Padam specifically refers to the eternal abode. Eternal abode is where God lives which is called the spiritual sky or Vaikuntha. In the 15th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, it is stated, Sarvasya Chahambradi Sanavishtaha. The Lord is seated in everyone's heart. So that should be very reassuring. One may ask, well, how do I know? Do I just have to accept your statement? No. But through the process of its gradual advancement in Krishna consciousness, we will gradually come to this knowledge of seeing, knowing, experiencing the Supreme Lord. Excuse me, I'm sorry to, to wake you up, but uh, it's not allowed sleeping or even resting. If you'd like to do that, go upstairs. That's okay there. But in here, uh, you might put me to sleep. <laughs> and then who's going to listen? Okay, but if you'd like to, as I said, you're welcome to do it. It's just, it's not the etiquette uh, for the temple. Sorry about that. Okay, yeah, so uh, the Lord is seated in everyone's heart. So this recommendation that one should surrender unto the super soul sitting within means that one should surrender unto the supreme personality of Godhead, Krishna. Krishna has already been accepted by Arjun. This, remember, there's a it's a battlefield. A chariot has been moved to the center of the battlefield. There's going to be a war taking place very soon. And as it's mentioned over here, uh, Krishna has already been accepted by Arjuna as the Supreme Lord. So he's asking for direction. In the beginning of the <clears throat> second chapter, Krishna says, Now I am confused about my duty and have lost all composure due to miserly weakness. In this condition, I'm asking you to tell me for certain what is best for me. Now I am your disciple, and a soul surrendered unto you. Please instruct me. So, although they normally were just friends, you might call them buddies, you know, that very close, intimate, familiar. But here, Arjuna is taking a different position. He knows he has to go to war. He knows he has to fight against many relatives. Not only fight, but he has to try to kill them because the leader uh, which they're following happens to be a person who has committed a very heinous crime. He's stolen a vast amount of property from the Pandavas, who are five brothers, who are leaders, and he did not want to return them, although he had promised at one time to do that. So, therefore, Krishna has advised that out of righteousness you should strive to recover those properties. Otherwise, if this criminal gets to be the king, 
then whatever he does, common men will follow. And the result of common men following a, crew, a, a, a criminal is that the whole nation will become criminal. That's what happens. You do something, uh, you cheat, you steal, you swindle, you got away with it, I'll try to get away with it. And that's the way it goes. And what you have is a horrible, terrible situation in a kingdom in which everybody suspects everyone of some oncoming wrongdoing which everyone then lives in fear, in suspicion, in doubt, and uncertainty. It's a horrible way to live. So Krishna, who is the Supreme Lord, is advising his friend, his disciple, in this context, to don't, no, don't, don't balk, don't hesitate. This is a righteous war. And you have an opportunity to end this evil king's activities so that people can live in a peaceful, loving, joyful situation. Arjun has accepted Krishna as the supreme personality of Godhead and the supreme abode of all living entities, not only because of his personal experience, but because of the evidence of great authorities like Narada, these are great saints and sages, Narada, Asita, Devala, and Vyasa. Om Agyanati Mirandasya Kananjana Shilakaya Shakshur Unmilitam Yena Tasmai Shri Guruvena Maha. I was born in the darkness of ignorance, and my spiritual master opened my eyes with the torchlight of knowledge. I offer my humble obeisances unto his lotus feet and beg his grace that I may say something useful and beneficial for all. So, as it's mentioned earlier, uh, how to achieve ongoing happiness? Well, the first thing we might want to ask ourselves is, what is happiness? So I'll do my best to answer it in the most plain terms. Happiness is basically, it's a feeling of satisfaction, a feeling of fulfillment, a feeling of enjoyment or joy. A feeling of hopefulness. This is basically happiness. But there are two kinds of happiness. There's material happiness, pertaining to those same words that I just used, and there's spiritual happiness. So let's talk a little about the material happiness, which is what we're all very familiar with. Material happiness comes in on the uh, physical level, mental level, and uh, intellectual level. So depending upon uh, where we're at will depend upon how this manifests. So again, material happiness uh, can come as a, through the physical senses, the mind, the intelligence. So when it comes from the senses, for example, you're eating some, like on a day like today, some ice cream, it tastes very good, the first few licks. And as you go on to lick number 16, <laughs> it begins to lose its tastefulness. And after a while, you don't even want it anymore. You go for something else. Some other food, whatever it might be, halava, burfi, chocolate cake. But after a while, even those become flat and lose their attractiveness. That's just the nature of the senses. Same thing is with, you then, you're tired of tasting, now you go listen to some music, 
maybe some classical music, rock music, blues music, whatever is your fits, fits your fancy. But after a while, if you keep listening and listening, you either go to sleep or you uh, no longer want to hear that kind of music and switch to another type. Same with flowers. You, you smell some delightful roses or uh, lotuses or chrysanthemums, lilies. All of these flowers have a nice flaw. A nice uh, fragrance. As you keep smelling them, smelling them, that they lose their fragrance. So <clears throat> that, <clears throat> sorry, that is the nature of material uh, pleasure. It's transitory. It's temporary. It's here for a few minutes and then it's gone. And yet, everyone would like to have this rose go on smelling just as fragrant as it did when we first smelled it, or whatever we may have tasted, whether it's some halva, as I said before, or is it some, uh, some other type of uh, foods, some nice rice that a person made, or if it's some particular type of uh, cake that was made. We'd like it to go on tasting delicious, delicious, delicious without end, but it doesn't. Did anyone ever think about why we wanted to go on tasting? Because <laughs> delicious without end? Because our nature is to be eternally joyful. That is our true nature. Even though we are not experiencing our true nature at this moment. We're experiencing a very false nature. Called nature of the material energy infesting itself, if you will. On the soul. And the soul cannot experience the real, true, deep happiness that is available to it if it begins to do what it should be doing, but it's not doing. And what is that? Well, let me just talk a little more about misery. There's miseries which comes from our own body and mind. For example, you may be sick, you may have flu, virus, or uh, some rashes some problems with your bursitis or arthritis or athlete's feet. Uh, all of these are different uh, problems that human beings are heir to. They suffer. Uh, those are physical, which come from our own body and mind. And sometimes we're in full of anxiety, full of uncertainty, full of confusion, full of doubt. Should I do this or should I do that? What would be in my best interest? If I try this, will this happen? So we try to reason the whole thing out. Of course, an advanced soul gets his guidance from within, where God exists, and knows exactly what he has to do. That's a very great advantage, by the way. So, therefore, uh, it's very important that uh, we understand that uh, miseries which come from our own body and mind, they just come. Everything's fine. Everything's going well. And then suddenly... You can hardly walk. Or suddenly, your heart starts beating very fast. Or suddenly, we get a terrible headache. These are the things that happen in the material world. And they have a cause. And a lot of the cause has to do with what we have done in the past. There's a thing called karma and a thing called karmic reaction. A karma is what we act, what we do. When we do favorable things, beneficial things, helpful things, good, good things, things which help people things which uh, encourage people, 
then the reaction is generally going to be favorable to us. Favorable in the sense that we will receive the same either from that person or from some other person whom the Lord decides to grant us or give us this particular result. So uh, these are the uh, things that uh, we get. These are the things that come from karma, different reactions. And if we do things which are unfavorable, we harm somebody, we hurt somebody, we spit at somebody, look down at somebody, curse somebody, kick somebody, harm somebody, well, we get that reaction. Sometimes people wonder why. A person will say, well, now I was walking on the street, minding my own business, or I was in a bus, or I was in a train minding my own business, and suddenly out of nowhere this person he just gives me a shove. I say, excuse me? You have a problem? And he says, yeah, you're my problem. He doesn't even know him. But these things happen not because it's an accident or this happens to be that this guy's a little nuts or crazy, but because the individual who got bumped or got pushed in a previous either life or maybe even in this life pushed, bumped, hurt somebody and he never paid the price for it, and therefore it has to be paid at some time, at some period. So we get the result that we set in motion in the past, which seems inexplicable, which, which seems uh, maddening. And sometimes people say, well, he was just an innocent person, and he got this terrible, this terrible, whatever it might be, got into a car accident, was in a plane accident. Nothing happens by accident because God is in control of everything and is giving us our karmic reaction in accordance with what we deserve. He can see everything. He's omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent, all-powerful, all-knowing. So he knows everything and he knows what we should get. So he may give us something favorable, something peaceful, something loving, something sweet, something generous, or he may give us something of the opposite nature. We may suffer loss, difficulty, tribulations, trials, lose our home, lose our car, lose our children, or lose our mother, father. Losses also are planned according to karmic reaction. Everybody is here for a certain amount of time, and when your time is up, according to your karma, you're out of here. However, it doesn't mean that the Lord cannot extend our lives if he sees fit. He can do that because he's all-powerful. And if he sees that it would be useful to extend our life and give us an extra 10 years of five years, which we can use for spiritual striving in order to achieve a higher goal, in order to achieve spiritual illumination, in order to achieve the bliss which comes with that spiritual illumination, why wouldn't he do it? He can do it. And he does do it, if need be, if it's in the best interest of the devotee. So Krishna is a good person to know, because, because he has all these wonderful powers which he can use for the benefit of his devotee. He does not use his powers to harm the devotee. The only time a, a, a person will get harmed is if he is a non-devotee, and a non-devotee means a person who doesn't care for Krishna, doesn't like God, is indifferent to God, curses God, wishes that God would drop dead, and all of these things. But uh, such a person 
is not given the care, the interest, the concern by God that a person who is a devotee who likes to serve the Lord, honor the Lord, glorify the Lord, applaud the Lord. He likes to do all of these things because he feels that God is very, very beneficent, very helpful, very beneficial. And he feels and gets that benefit in his life. And of course, feels that all he wants to do is praise the Lord because he has gotten so much, which he feels he doesn't even deserve because he's gotten so much more than he feels he should based upon all the good things that he has done and so many bad things that he may have done which he hasn't even paid for. So therefore, as I said, we have um, material happiness and then there is spiritual happiness. If a person is just settled with, satisfied with material happiness and just keeps trying, you know, he wants to get a Porsche car, he wants to get an airplane, he wants to get a big boat or a yacht. If that's his goal, then Krishna will allow him to obtain that if that's what he wants. But there will be a lot of miseries involved. Sometimes a person has to take two jobs, three jobs to earn enough money to pay for these things, so much insurance and so so many other things connected with them. So if a person wants those things, Krishna will help the person, assuming that that person will act in a moral and a legal and ethical way. So, therefore, uh, I have already said there's happiness, excuse me, miseries which come from our body and mind. There are miseries which come from other persons' bodies and mind. I just gave an example of that. Somebody bumps you or pushes you. And therefore, you get bumped or you get pushed. Or sometimes you get caught in a a rainstorm. Your car turns over. These are things which come from other, well, there are other entities. Or a a person may um, uh, may get caught in a fight or in the middle of it. You go to a football game and people get into a brawl and you just happen to be in the middle of it. These are miseries which come from other living beings. You don't ask for them. You don't want them. You don't care for them. Nonetheless, they come. Again, karmic reaction, which we ourselves have set in motion in the past. And third, uh, not last, but is the miseries which come from, uh, miseries which come from, we might call the uh, natural uh, calamities, tornadoes, Big storms, fires get set, mudslides which occur, all of which, somebody go out there and tell the children to move so that it's not, thank you very much. Yeah. So, we have mudslides, we have big fires which were burning, which is still burning right here in California. They're happening all the time. You have earthquakes, you have tsunamis. All of these different things come and it seems like, you know, it's just a big accident. But it's not. Whoever is killed is designated to be killed then. Whoever lives is designated to live. It's very interesting if you ever look at the pictures, bird's eye view of pictures of a tornado. It doesn't move in a straight line. Generally it goes around. It hits a few houses and then moves around. Hits a few more and then moves in a different direction. Because different people are designated at given times to have their homes smashed and destroyed. 
And other people are not designated because they have been acting in a way which does not uh, allow or does not uh, elicit or be the cause of that type of thing for them. So their homes, I've seen homes standing uh, as if they weren't even touched. And then there are homes which have been destroyed and knocked down. So a lot depends upon what we do. What we do will be our future. So now when it comes to, uh, when it comes to uh, ongoing happiness, yeah, but somebody has to go and move the child. I will not speak unless the child is moved because it is a distraction and it does not enable me to share with you what I want to share because now I'm talking about the part that everybody's most interested and that is uh, how to become blissful, how to become ecstatic, ongoing, never-ending. And this is most important in this. So I mentioned already that there's such a thing as what we call good karma. Good karma meaning that we do things which are beneficial, which are helpful, which are useful, uh, useful so that uh, in the future those same things will come back to us. But that doesn't mean that we get free of the miseries of material existence. For example, you have a very hot, steaming day and your air conditioner breaks. Unless you are trained to be able to ignore those things, be indifferent to them, be unaffected by them, and that takes training. And that's the training that we get here to learn to be unaffected by the difficulties, the trials, the tribulations, the problems that are there. So, what is uh, necessary here <clears throat> is that to understand why we're here in this world, because once we understand why we're here, we will see why all these miseries are coming. Originally, we were all Krishna conscious living entities. We lived in a different world. The world called the spiritual world. Far above this material world. And what we did is we engaged in devotional service to the Supreme Lord. God is all glorious in the Supreme Lord. God is the greatest. God is applauded. God is, uh, uh, is uh, praised honored, glorified. In the spiritual world, Krishna is everything. And people love uh, glorifying the Lord. And love acting as a servant of the Lord. Because our constitutional position, according to our scriptures, is to be an eternal servant of God. The constitutional position of the living entity is to be an eternal servant of Krishna. Just as the constitutional position of a fish is to live in water, the constitutional position of a human being is to live out of water. So the constitutional position of a living entity who is part and parcel of the Supreme Lord is to serve the Lord in any number of ways, such as hearing about him, chanting about him, serving his feet, uh, reading about him, uh, praying to him, glorifying him, doing practical service for him. So in the spiritual world, these, uh, these activities are all uh, there. 
But when a person decides that he no longer, she no longer wants to serve Krishna, no longer wants to serve God, wants to be served instead as a God, well then that person no longer has a a right to stay in the spiritual world because the spiritual world is for those persons who simply and only want to lovingly, devotionally serve God. But if you don't want to serve God, he doesn't force you to do that. He has created this world for those who do not want to serve him. And you come here so that, <coughs> sorry, so that you can actually become a God or become a Lord. That's why we all come here. For example, you become a mother or a father. So you can tell your child, do this, do that. Go here, go here. No, don't do that. Don't do this. You must go to school today. So as a child, you just have to do what you're told to do. And your parent is the Lord. So your parent. So until you grow up and you become a Lord, then you simply follow. So you get a chance to become a Lord on the most basic manner as a parent. But you can become a Lord also as a owner of a business and you have employees and so the employees have to do what you say otherwise they lose their jobs or you're a big CEO in a gigantic corporation and you have to make the corporation operate at a profit and if it begins operating at a loss then the stockholders vote you out and they try to get to get somebody else so uh, the important uh, point is that all of these things uh, have a particular direction in which uh, one goes. Therefore, if a person uh, has been thrown down into the material world, uh, which is the result of not wanting to serve Krishna, he doesn't force us to serve, he doesn't force us to love him, he doesn't force us to surrender to him. But if you don't want to, you get another place to go, which is here, and the result of here is that we get into all the different miseries that I was mentioning before. Those which come of our own body and mind, those which come from other living entities, those which come from uh, the devas or the different deities uh, which are responsible for uh, phenomena like rain and snow, <clears throat> heat, cold, all of these things. So we have to be subjected to those things. There are people who live... Every day, 106 degrees. What can they do? They have to bear it. And so, we have a very nice situation here. It's only 82 degrees today. So, it's pleasant. It's balmy. But that's not the way it always is. As I mentioned earlier, if your air conditioner breaks down and you have to sit and sweat or lie and sweat all night, it's not easy. It's miserable. So, the point here is that once we come to the realization that trying to be an independent Lord, as we're all trying to do in one way or another, someone be a famous actor, some want to be a famous polit politician, another person wants to be a, a famous sports person, everyone wants to be somebody, and in the course of being somebody, what happens is that... Uh, what happens? We may lose or we may win. But even if we win, the win is only for a short time. It may be for a week. It may be for a month. It may be for a year. It may be for 10 years. But eventually, a person, he checks out or he leaves that or he retires. 
And it is no longer a big shot or a big hero or a big uh, person. And that's very difficult for many people who have earned or have had very successful careers. Because when that success is over, when the person is retired, there's nobody applauding anymore. There's nobody glorifying you anymore. There's nobody saying, you did a great whatever. It's over. Many actors and actresses, they sit in their homes and they watch these old movies that they were famous for. So, because they remember the big hurrah, which is no longer there. And they can imagine in their mind that they're still in that uh, position. Therefore, if we want to develop real joy, real happiness, that can only come by developing what we once had or reawakening what we once had. And that is pure love of Krishna, pure love of God. To love the Lord means to offer things to Krishna, to appreciate those things which he's giving. He's giving us food and clothing, and shelter, and health, and strength, and guidance, and direction, and all those things, these are coming from him. And because they come from him, we need to show some appreciation. And in showing appreciation, then we express our love in the form of some kind of affection. We have so many things going on here on our altar. Krishna is being shown affection in so many different ways. So the more we fulfill that particular mandate to to give to offer uh, Krishna God our love and the more we give that love unstintingly undemandingly and unconditionally in other words not I give you something Lord now you have to give me something back hey you didn't give me something back you owe me no we don't owe anything what about the the light we get the heat we get the water we get we owe he doesn't have to give that. And there are many places which are not getting it. There are places like in, uh, in uh, northern Africa. Everything is dry. No, everything is arid. People are not eating. And even when we send food packages, some of the revolutionaries there get it and they eat it. So we are getting a lot of grace. Grace is the key word. It means to get a gift which is not even deserved. We're getting it from the Lord. And when you get something from the Lord that we don't deserve, but he loves us so much, he has so much compassion, so much affection, so much warmth and love for us, that he gives us in spite of this, then it's only natural to try to give back. And we give it back by uh, offering things direct to, the, to the Lord, uh, to the devotees of the Lord, to the temples of the Lord, to ordinary, many human beings, like we have a Sunday feast here. So everyone he comes, there's no charge. You can come and enjoy yourself. We're not asking you on the way out that you must give a donation. If you do, that's fine. But there's no demand. This is what is called pure love. Pure love is I give, I give, I give, and I don't care if I get anything back because the, get, the getting is in the giving. I don't understand that. The getting is in the giving. And the Lord sees that and he repays us in the form of loving grace in our life. He makes sure we eat. We make sure, he makes sure we have clothing. Make sure we have shelter. He makes sure that we have a job. He makes sure that, that our business goes the way it's supposed to go. The more devotional we are, the more dedicated we are, the more 
surrendered we are to the Lord, the more we're going to get because we are making a fast friend of Krishna. So therefore, this will lead to ever-increasing happiness, ever-increasing joy, ever-increasing pleasure, inner pleasure. Inner pleasure is not the same as outer. It comes from the heart where the Lord lives, right next to the soul, where we, that which is we, what we are. So the Lord is there, and he can express his love to us. When he expresses his love, that comes in the form of incredible degree of inner pleasure, which starts from the heart and spreads throughout the entire body and manifests in different types of, if you will, symptoms, perspiration, color, changes in the face. One can hardly get choked up. One cries tears of ecstasy out of love for the Lord. All these things are so pleasurable, so joyful that one cannot even stand. He falls to the ground and may roll on the ground just feeling such tremendous happiness and joy and satisfaction. So, of course, those are what we call top times when the intensity of these joys uh, is very strong and the Lord is being extremely blessed. But at other times, it's just coming naturally Ordinarily, one is just feeling, generally speaking, blissful, happy, satisfied, fulfilled, eager to serve, eager to devote himself to whatever his, uh, his, his service is. You have a job. You love your job. You know why? Because you do it as a loving service to God. Instead of just coming in as a drudge, just getting it over with and leaving, just looking at the clock and hoping, crying, begging that Friday will come, Friday end, finally, two-day weekend. This is what people often live for, that two-day week, have a nice weekend. Because it's horrible during the week. That's why they want a nice weekend. Why not have a nice every day? And if you depend upon Krishna, Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, in all activities, just depend upon me and work under my protection. In such devotional service, be fully conscious of me. If you become conscious of me, you will pass over all the obstacles of conditioned life by my grace. If, however, you do not work in such consciousness, but you act through false ego, me, 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 I, 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 here, 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 never mind, there. If we don't think in terms of lovingly serving and satisfying the Supreme Lord, but only our own taste, our own sound, our own smell, our own senses, our own mind, if that's all we are interested in, just me, 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 I, 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 mine, 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 well, we get the result of that, which is not very pleasurable. Because everybody's doing that, so there's a fight. Who's going to get to the top? So the most important thing is that we try to always give pleasure to the Supreme Lord, and in giving pleasure to the Supreme Lord, we get the res his response within a liberated person is not attracted to material sense pleasure, but is always in trance, enjoying the pleasure within. In this way, the self-realized soul enjoys unlimited happiness, for he concentrates on the Supreme Lord. If you're concentrating on God, and you want to serve him, you want to please him, you want to satisfy him, and don't care what happens to yourself, you only care that what how well you can please the Lord. He takes care of you in a way which is unimaginable, is 
impossible to even begin to explain. So I'm talking about these things uh, as if they are, it's within everyone's reach. No one should think that's just for people living a saintly life or wearing orange clothes. Or it's for everybody. And it will come to everybody if we set our sights, if we set our focus, if we set our direction on instead of living for our own sense gratification or mental gratification or intellectual gratification, live for the Lord's gratification. And if we do that, for example, you do a day's work, okay? You have to do a job, you have to finish it. Well, you can do it just for yourself, just looking forward to the paycheck. Or you can do it at the same time saying, this is for you, my Lord. This is for you. This is for you. This is for you. This is for you. Everything is for God. So instead of thinking that uh, it's just to get my paycheck, it's for the pleasure of God. And that he recognizes. And in recognizing it, he awards, as he says, as they surrender unto me, I reward them accordingly to the extent that I feel they deserve it. So this is the secret of how we can be always happy because when we have the flow of God's love coming from the heart into the soul and from the soul spreading all over the body, we have an intense, amazing, awesome degree of happiness as no ordinary person can experience because the ordinary person's limit of happiness is his senses, his mind, his intelligence, and that's it. Whereas the spiritual-minded person who's seeking God consciousness, he goes to a higher platform, and ultimately, when he leaves his body, when he finished with his life, he goes back home where he originally was. And he goes there, and it continues his service lovingly to the Supreme Lord, which he never should have left the spiritual world for. Why did he do it? Because as I already said, he wanted to taste what it's like to be a Lord, to be independent, to not have to feel that he uh, has to be always serving. He wants to be served. Okay? So the more we give up this idea that I have to be served, and instead replace it with I have to serve Krishna, and the more I serve him, the more love I give to him, the more is going to come to me. And all of our offenses, our sins, our wrongs, they will be forgiven. Because he sees that we're making a special effort to please him. Thank you very much. Hare Krishna. Are there any... Thank you. Uh, are there any questions or, uh, that anyone has which I'll try to answer as best as I can? Yes, please. You, you, why don't you come up a little closer because you don't have a microphone. I may not hear it. Last line of which? The purport or the translation? Okay. As the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, he also says, because of the evidence of the great authorities like Narada, Sita, Deval, and Vyasa, can you... What is that? Uh, he said, of because of the evidence yes. from the great authorities like Narada, yes. Sita, Deval, and Vyasa, can you uh, highlight some of them, please? Can I what? Highlight some of the uh, evidences. Uh, why do you want them highlighted? 
Uh, just no. No, just. unless you have some reason. Uh, I, I, I mean, I can go on talking, telling stories about Narada. It's oh, okay. not going to help anybody here. Okay? So better to read the books and you'll see. I mean, Narada Muni is a great, great saint. Uh, Vyasa Dev, the, the, the writer of all of these great books. Uh, I mean, what more need I say? Uh, and Narada Muni is his guru. So, you know. Okay. So, uh, any other question which would be re- pertain to what I have spoken on tonight? Yes, please. So, in, while I'm uh, in the office, like when I go to work, uh, during the day, like, we lose focus of God, Krishna, and uh, we start to feel uh, that it's not as pleasurable working. We lose the focus that I am here for God's pleasure. Like when, when we are working at work, we feel that we lose that focus. Okay, whatever I'm doing right now is for Krishna's pleasure. So yeah. how can I uh, adopt that mood or what can I do so that I see whatever I'm doing is for Krishna's pleasure? Okay, that's a nice question. Whatever, how can he see whatever he's doing is for Krishna ple- Krishna's pleasure? Uh, why should he do that? <clears throat> well, first of all, who gave you the job? <laughs> Who gave you the job? Krishna. Okay, well, then show him something. Can't you give him a little bit of consciousness? Yes. Isn't that a good enough reason that Krishna gave you the job? Krishna's giving you a paycheck. Krishna's giving you a nice home. He's giving you all these things, and all you're doing is you know, putting, in the, putting in the time which he's giving you, putting in the energy which he's giving you. You owe him. If you think about how much you owe, you'll see it's very easy to think of Krishna. I have an easy way. Uh, First of all, I have a watch on my wrist here. Uh, I got it when Time Magazine used to give subscriptions. And it has the word time on it. Okay? (laughs) One of Krishna's name is, he says, time I am. Okay? So when I look at my watch, the first thing I think of, time I am. But this is Krishna. And time is passing. I'm not going to be here forever. I may not be here at the end of the day. So, time is very valuable, and every moment should be used to think about Krishna, to know about Krishna, to serve Krishna, to, to glorify and to please Krishna. Okay, if you do that, then what happens is that you make a good use of time. Somebody can take that uh, time out. <laughs> so, uh, that's number one. Number two, I also put a tattoo on my wrist, which stands for Radha and Krishna. First, it was just a Krishna uh, tattoo, so that whenever I looked at my watch, I could not help see the letter K. And the letter K stands for Krishna. And Krishna means, think of me. Him, not me, but him. And so, therefore, and why Radha? Well, Krishna was alone for many years. I didn't have Radha there. But then, finally, from within my heart, he said, why are you leaving me alone? Why don't you worship me and my consort? So therefore, I had my good friend who's sitting, well, he was sitting here a few minutes ago, a tattoo artist, and he, I said, could you put an R over here? He said, yeah. It's a very funny story how the K got there, but that's, uh, we'll do another lecture. <laughs> but in any event, there are different ways in which you can remember Krishna. That's most important. Hear about him, chant about him, remember him, remember him do practical service for him. All of these different things will help you in remembrance of Krishna. And when you see how kind, how sweet, how generous, how affectionate he is, is there any reason why you should not think of him often? Hmm? Okay. Any other questions? Yes, please. 
But I want to get the microphone towards you so that if people over the internet will be able to hear you. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, I like I like uh, I like what you said about uh, uh, why not to uh, spend weekdays like weekends, you know, like that. When you mentioned about that, that helped me to remember some uh, how when I was a little kid I used to think, "Hey, mom, dad, why are you gonna go work so hard every day? Life is so beautiful, you know." And I'm asking that because have you have you ever noticed that? Is there's no any organization or no? Is there any organization? Is any group of lords, group of people, group of lords, I'd say, that interested? Like, yeah, you know the lords, the lords. You mentioned that the lords are the one that. About the Lord, the God. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Is there? I mean, I would love to help on that. Is there any? to know any group of lords interested in living weekend day like weekends because that makes sense that makes a lot of sense for for a greater tomorrow for obvious you know like I like what I said I mean it's beautiful that's what's beautiful is that beautiful a comment plan. you're making a comment on what I had said or a I mean, you, I mean yeah, comment and also asking if you know any group of lords that would be interested in work on that thing because that yeah, makes totally right. sense I like what I say about okay. the weekends the weekdays that, that's beautiful that's exactly a beautiful dream right there okay you know? well everybody should uh, try their best to, to make their best effort and yeah that's, that's what the idea is no matter where you are no matter what you've done no matter what your past is forget all that just concentrate on the present that God will forgive you and forget about all your past horrible things that you may have done maybe you didn't do them but if you did he's so kind he even says in the Bhagavad Gita, even if one commits the most abominable actions, if he's engaged in his devotional service, he's to be considered saintly because he's properly situated in his determination. So Krishna forgives and forgets and says, okay, you start now and move up and, yeah. and I will help you no matter what. That's all I'm concerned about. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Any other okay. question? No? You have a question? I see a ha your hand. Yeah. I wonder if you could clarify your, when you were giving the three different types of or causes of misery, natural, other persons, or our own actions, in the second form, well, I'm, I'm going to finish, the second form when you were discussing, somebody bumps into you, somebody robs you, or a natural disaster comes and s destroys your house, but not his house, Right. it, it seemed at least to me that you're almost blaming the victim for a crime. If somebody goes out and gets mugged, what was the, that's a karmic response to their action. Whereas, and again, I hope I'm not, I'm just telling you how I understood it. Okay. Where, where is the sympathy for the individual who lost their house rather than the judgment that they committed yeah. an action that was inappropriate that led to that response or they were a victim of a crime because of right. a previous action. Right. Not very nice question, and I thank you. Thank you for it. Uh, <clears throat> this is what, generally speaking, people don't know or don't understand. Uh, let's take a very simple example along the side. Let us just say, as I, I, I use the example that 
you, you're just walking along innocently and you're just not you're minding your own business and then somebody comes over and he just shoves you. And then you said, what are you doing that for? He said, what, what, what do you care about it? And he shoves you again. And he throws you to the ground, okay? And then you maybe you get bumped or maybe you get a... So the question is, uh, from what you were saying, is that shouldn't we have any sympathy for the person who got bumped and he didn't yeah, hit back? The question is this, is we have to go back into the past. And this is where God comes in. He sees our past actions, which we cannot see. For example, if I bumped you going back in a previous lifetime, threw you down to the ground, and then left you there, never repented for it, never said I'm sorry to you for it, never tried to find you and said that was wrong of what I did, but rather it was even felt a little proud that I was able to knock you down because you were weaker than I, and I felt you know, my lumps, that, uh, and I told it to my friend, yeah, I knocked this guy down. It was really, it was really a, a gas. You know? uh, so this person has to, in some way, gain, get some punishment unless he repents, unless he uh, acts that this was wrong. I should never have done that. Uh, that way, there would be never any uh, reprisal from the, from the Lord himself. There is no karmic reaction once a person has done the needful. But if a person is full of pride, full of arrogance, full of vanity, uh, full of those types of feelings that he has a right to harm somebody, then what happens is that God sets up an arrangement in which he gets to taste the pain that he gave in the, that he gave in the past but never suffered for and should have suffered for or he should have repented for. And, and so that's the whole thing. But we don't see what happens from the time way back then to the present. All we're seeing is the present happening, and we don't see the past happening, but God sees everything from an omniscient point of view as opposed to the way we see things from a limited standpoint of what we know in, with our eyes, ears, nose, and tongue. So that's the, that's the reason for all of these things which happen, which appear to be accidental, but which really are not. They have a cause. Can you use the microphone, please? And, and, and I'm, I'm just trying to understand. If you saw a person when we walk outside after the event, or the teaching, getting beaten up, is our, is our heart supposed to not feel sympathy because he must have no. violated another person in the past? No, no. We, if you're a human being, that you, you, ha, you have certain feelings of, as you mentioned, sympathy. Uh, that's what a, a humane expression would be. So you would go and, and you would try to separate. You would try to stop it. That would be a normal thing. As to whether you would be able to do it, that depends again on what God allows according to what that person deserves. So you should make the proper effort if it's within your power to do that. Yes, uh, shouldn't this watch a person, if you have a humane feeling, then you can go and try to break that up and try to, uh, if it's even possible, resolve it. And if you can't resolve it, at least try your best to stop it. So yes, I agree with, with that. However, uh, the ultimate result will depend upon the Supreme Lord. Whether you will actually be able to uh, stop it. You may, uh, as you go there to try to stop it, you know, who knows, you might trip. You may, just, the person may whack you in the eyes and so hard that you can't even, can't even stop it because you deserve something also, you see. So it all depends upon what God wants us to experience for our learning, for our inner guidance, for our direction. And that's just the way it works. 
So therefore, in the understanding of karma, if I would knock down and I wasn't able to help myself, I would say, well, yeah, and this has happened in many of our scriptures, that yes, I obviously did something to deserve this. So I accept it, and I'll try to do better in my future. That's all. It's as simple as that. But that doesn't mean I hold God responsible. Why didn't you get somebody to save me? Why? Because you deserve what you got. You didn't never felt sorry for harming somebody. You enjoyed that person's pain. So therefore, that's the answer. I can't go any further on that, but if you continue reading and you continue your uh, working on these particular points, I think it'll become clearer as time goes on. Okay? You don't have to accept what I'm saying now, but at least just give it a patient hearing. That's all I ask. Okay? Anybody else? We have a lively class tonight. Well, uh, I won't hold us all any longer. There's a wonderful feast waiting for all of you. And I hope I've stimulated some degree of appetite. Thank you very much. Srila Prabhupada Ki. All glories to the Supreme Lord Sri Sri. Rukmini and Dvakadesh, Sri Sri Jagannath Baladev, Lady Subhadra, and Sri Sri. Lord Chaitanya, Lord Nityananda. Okay. You're all excused. Thank you very much for your patient hearing. Hare Krishna. Okay. Um, thank you so much, Prabhu. I give you a plug. I heard. I was there. <laughs> trying to keep the children quiet. Thank you very much. That became, that became my duty. Helpful. Especially in the summertime.